You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. I've been looking forward to starting this series for, for a little while now because of its importance and because of its impact. And I've simply entitled it The Gospel. Everybody say The Gospel. I want to start in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus is speaking and it says, he said to them, go into all the world. Help me out on this. And okay, I'm going to start over. And he said to them, go into all the world and help me preach the gospel to every creature. Now, first of all, some of you excuse yourself. They say, well, it said preach and I'm not a preacher. It actually means publish, proclaim, to distribute. And so all of us have a role in that. But here's the problem that I think exists is we're told to go to every creature, to the corners of the earth and preach the gospel. And a lot of people aren't sure what the gospel is. A lot of people would think, well, that's the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, those are the gospels according to those, those, uh, early disciples, apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But we need to look a little further and see what the gospel is and what its impact is for us. Then in Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul in verse 16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So our understood subject, the gospel of Christ, read on with me for it. What's it? The gospel for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who goes to Meadowbrook. Hopefully. And then for everyone who believes. Amen. But notice the gospel, Paul is not ashamed of it. It is the power of God into salvation. So this gospel that must be preached, this gospel that is the power of God and get this unto salvation, salvation, not just the forgiveness of sins, but actually wholeness. So what is this gospel? Now, the gospel is the single most important message. It is the heart. It is the core of the Bible, of the the whole plan of God has to do with the gospel. And so we want to dig into this a little bit. If we don't understand the gospel right, then one of two things is going to happen. And this may be your situation, okay? If we don't understand the gospel right, we're going to end up in one of these two things. First of all, false hope. False hope. I call it salvation light. It's, uh, yeah, I believe, and that's cool, and Jesus is awesome. uh, But there's no real big connection. And then you've got kind of a false hope of how much God's going to be at work in your life and your eternity and so forth. And so it's it's salvation light. It's a false hope if you don't understand the gospel properly and apply it properly. The second thing that could happen is false guilt. False guilt. Maybe that's your experience. False guilt would be that the gospel is presented to you as a bunch of rules and regulations, a very rigid, regimented, religious kind of thing. All started with ours. I didn't plan that. But that's really what I was trying to get across here is uh, you'll end up with a false guilt. And it's like, I can't work hard enough. I can't do enough. There's, there's no way I can, I can attain to what's supposed to happen with this. So we want to avoid both a false hope and a false guilt. The other thing that we need to look at, and this is played out in history. It's played out in generations all the time. It may be played out in your family line. 
It's played out in the Bible. We see it in the children of Israel. And this is, this is what happens. One generation sees something. They see it and they believe it. They embrace it and they believe it. The next generation, if this generation does not handle this right, y'all with me? This first generation, if they don't handle it right, they believe, but then the next generation, they just assume it. They just kind of accept it. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, believe that. Sure. And then if they don't change, then we go to the third generation and the third generation forgets it. And the third generation will even deny it. So what we've got to do is come back here because God's plan is for truth to endure to to all generations. And for this to go to our children and to our children's children and on and on. It's a generational thing that should should be passed on. But I think there's problems that we have because sometimes we're not sure what the gospel really is. And although we may uh, enjoy the gospel and it have some impact in our life, we've got to be able to understand the gospel, articulate the gospel, so that we not only can enjoy the fullness of it, but we can pass it on to somebody. And it's not just for us. Y'all hear me? It's not just for us. It's for us. It's for our children. It's for our children's children and is to continue on for generations. Can I get some kind of response out of some people here this day? Okay. Um, and, and let's, let's just get this up loud and clear and bold right here that what we're talking about is the gospel. Now it is to be generational It's to go on and on last night. Lee and Katie were, were over at the house for a little bit after service and they had Gavin, Gavin's 10 months old now. And and he's busy and he's fast and he's happy and he's beautiful. And he loves to eat and everything. And I just got to tell you one other thing. And he really loves me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And I was the last one coming in the room and somebody was holding him and he was, and he was holding something. And then I came in and I start doing all the stuff that I do and making noises and stuff. And he dropped what he had and he turned away from who was holding him. And he's diving out for Gimpa. Now, do you think I want for Gavin for, you know, I hope you have a good life, little buddy. And I hope you're the coolest guy in your class and hope things go well with you and this and this and this. You know what? The bottom line that I want for that little man, I want him to know the gospel. I want him to know the gospel. And should Jesus tarry and he grows up and he marries and he has a little Timothy Lee, the third. Uh, um, hey, I can hope, you know, I want the gospel. That's the thing. Once you see this this morning and over these next few weeks, I want that passed on. And that passed on, not just a skill, not just a trade, not just a name, but the gospel. And this is important. And all of us bear responsibility because first of all, we want the fullness of the gospel in our lives so that we can pass it on. And I'm making a point of this to our children and then to our children's children. So that it's not with the next generation just assumed, yeah, mom and dad, great church, wonderful. And then go on to the next generation. They forget it. They forget it. And then they will even deny it. Let it not be so. So for these reasons, that this is the core of the Bible, 
It's God's plan. It's central. It must be understood right or we're going to have false hope or false guilt. And because of this generational delusion, uh, delusion that, that will just fade and fade by generation so that that does not happen. That's the purpose of this series so that we can clearly bring clarity and bring emphasis to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen from somebody today? Now the gospel, uh, does anybody know what gospel means? Come on, go ahead and say it. Good news. It's good news. It's glad tidings. I like good news. I said, I like good news, but you do not fully appreciate the good news unless you understand the bad news. And then how many of you just love it when somebody comes up to you? I got some good news and some bad news. How many of you know, I don't like that. You don't like that. I heard about a guy, um, his doctor called him, gets him on the phone. He said, Hey, this is, this is your doctor. And he goes, uh, oh, hey, doc, how are you? And he goes, good. He said, Stan, listen, I've got some good news and some bad news for you. Oh, wow. He said, which do you want first? He said, well, you're the doctor. You're the doctor. So he said, Stan, listen, here's the good news. You got three weeks to live. Stan goes, that's the good news. He goes, what's the bad news? Well, the bad news. And I'm really sorry about this, Stan. He said, I got busy and your file kind of got shoved to the side. I should have called you two weeks ago. So if we're going to, though, appreciate the good news, we're going to have to know the bad news. So I'm going to take a few moments and really let you know about the bad news. Um, The bad news is this. God is holy and just. And I am neither. And I'm going to be judged by him, by his standards. And that's bad news. Let me make it a little more personal for you. Here's the bad news. Everybody say bad news. God is holy and he's just. And you're not either one. And you're going to be judged by him. And by his standards. Not by a politically correct standard. Not by some watered down religious standard. Not by some socially accepted standard, but by God's standard. And God is holy and he's just. And we're neither one. And we're going to be judged. We have a day of judgment. And it's by his standards. So guess what? That's bad news. That's bad news. Wait, we're going to get the good news. Now, let me clear up a misconception about all this. Some people think that God goes light on sin and that forgiveness is just easy. He's like a doting grandmother. You know, you make a mess and grandma covers for you. It's okay. I'll get it. You don't worry about it. You go play. I'll get it. I'll clean it up. And some people have that grandma view of, of God. And that's a misconception. Here's the reality. Our forgiveness... And our justification were very costly, very, very costly. So the bad news again, because I want to make sure you get the bad news. Because then you're really going to appreciate the good news. The bad news is, without Jesus, we're sunk. We have made a mess. And there's a standard that we're going to have to be held accountable to that we just don't measure up to. And there's nothing we could do to get there on our own. The bad news. 
The good news. You ready for the good news? Christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification. Christ died for our sins, and we'll, we'll add power to this in just a moment, or re- reveal some things that release the power of this. Christ died for our sins, and then he was raised for our justification. Let me read you a verse. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, speaking of Jesus, who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. So let's look at this just for a moment here. Justification, well, forgiveness, how many of you know that forgiveness is awesome? How many of you like to be forgiven? You ever had a debt forgiven? You know, or a, a, a teacher let you off, or mom not spank you and let you out of time out and said, and, and let you go. Y'all, did y'all live? Okay, okay. But here's the biggie. We were sunk, we were in bad shape. There's no way we're going to be able to pay up on, on that day of accounting. And the good news is Christ died for us and then was raised for our keyword here, justification. Now, when I was a little kid in Sunday school, we learned some big words and one of them was justification. And the way to remember what justification is, is that I have been justified, 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 never sinned. Justified, never sinned. Y'all with me? It's justified, never sinned. And when Christ died for us and then was raised so that it would be like justified, never sinned. Which brings me up to God's standard. Which now means because of what Christ did for you and I dying for our sins that took us below the standard and then raised from the dead so that you and it would be for you and I justified never sinned say with me say with me justified never sinned because of what Jesus did and so this is the good news because now we're back up to the standard and I don't have to be afraid of judgment We don't have to be afraid of this because of the good news, because of what Jesus did for us. Somebody say something here today. Charles Spurgeon, famous uh, British preacher of days gone by, was asked, powerful preacher. He was asked to summarize the gospel. He said, I'll do it in four words. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. Will you say that with me? Jesus died for me for me. Now, if you're new here today, you go, what is it with this guy? He's writing stuff. He's making us say stuff. Let me just tell you real quick what this is all about. Okay. I am not a preacher. I'm a teacher. And the goal of all of this is life change. And you can have no life change unless you apply something and you can't apply it if you don't remember it. And so my job is to bring it to you in an understandable way so that you can retain it, so that you can remember it. And then if you'll remember it, then you can apply it. And if you apply it, life change will come to you. So my job is to help you to remember. So I will write on here. I'll have you repeat things. I'll do crazy things. I'll ask you, are you with me? Are you still here? I'll, I'll, 
I'll pin a note to your collar. I'll write it on your arm. I want you to remember this. And we're going to carry out of here knowing what the gospel is today. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, Jesus died for me. That's the centerpiece of the gospel that Jesus died for me. But that really doesn't carry power unless we know all the underpinnings of this. First of all, Jesus died for me. Who is this Jesus that died for me? Let's look at several aspects of his, of his entire mission. First of all, incarnation. Say incarnation. Not reincarnation. Incarnation. God took on flesh. The whole Christmas story that God put on flesh. That's important because of who he is. And yes, despite what you would hear from modern secular religious mumbo jumbo, a virgin birth. God put on flesh and came and dwelled among us. God incarnate. Incarnation is important. Second thing is a sinless life. Jesus lived. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He lived a sinless life, which means he maintained the standard. Then he went to the cross substitutionary death on the cross. Keyword, substitutionary. Root word, substitute. Who did he get put in the game for? For you. He came in and took your place, took my place. Jesus died for me. Substitutionary death, which we're going to unfold in the next few weeks. Huge. And we've got to have good understanding of it. Substitutionary death, followed by bodily burial, followed by a literal Resurrection, not some figurative, wispy kind of thing, literal resurrection, ascension into heaven, and an imminent return as King of Kings. That is the Jesus who died for me. That is the Jesus who died for you. That's who. First Corinthians 1.17, Paul said this, For Christ did not send me to baptize. But to what? Preach the gospel. Watch this carefully about preaching the gospel. Preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Listen to it in the Message Bible. This is to give us a little light. God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own. Lest, and watch this part, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. Listen, we cannot make this complex. We can't make this a high church idea with high rhetoric and lofty words and thoughts. Jesus himself instructed Paul, make this clear, make this plain. And if I can say it, make it simple. Now, here's the problem of why generation to generation it falls off is because it hasn't been clear to people. It's just been the gospel. I've even heard people, they change their voice when they say the gospel. It's like the what? And we just got to be real about this and have clear, plain understanding of what it is. Now, for me, understanding is the handle on any truth. So you may know a truth, but if you don't understand it, you don't have a handle on it. For example, I sat through years of algebra class. They tell me it's true. 
I memorized formulas and algorithms and other things. And so I had the truth. I could spout off the truth, but I did not understand the truth. So I didn't have a handle on it. And the teacher would explain it. I go, uh-huh. Nigga, you got it? Yeah. I'd go home to do the work and it's like, ah. Because I didn't have a handle on it. So they never asked me to tutor anybody. Because I couldn't pass it on. So if it had been up to me, algebra would have died with me. Now there's an idea. How many of you are with me on algebra on this thing? You know, I had a teacher that tried to salvage me on that. And he pulled me aside one day after school. And he said, Mr. Gilligan, he said, uh, this whole algebra thing, let me just put it to you this way. If you can know these colors, red, amber, and green, and how to make change for a dollar, I think you're going to do okay. <laughs> My point, you've got to have understanding of the truth so that you can have a handle on it so you can pass it on. So you can carry it around so they can pass it on to another one. Now, we've got to make this clear. We've got to make it simple. And that's what I'm going to do in the next few moments here, hopefully, regarding the gospel. I want to give you just three aspects of this here this morning. The first one is this. And remember, this is what? It's good news. Come on, say it like it's like good news. Good news. So the good news, we got to include in this the bad news. And the first part of it is this. Everybody has sinned. That's the bad news. Everybody has sinned. Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's literally the glorious standard of God. We've all sinned. Everybody's sinned. And we fall short of that standard. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says this. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. That's the bad news. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. The second part is this. Because of sin, the penalty for this, the penalty, the wages, the pension you will receive for a life of sin is death. We're still on the bad news part, okay? It's death. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The wages, the penalty, the pension that you will earn for a life of sin without God is death. Not just physical death, but this word death actually means separation from God. Separation from God in this life. And then when this life is over, separation from God in the next life. Now, if I haven't already told you this, there is a real hell. There's a real and literal hell. There's some stuff going around being published, even on high levels, that there's really not a hell. It's a figurative kind of thing. Listen to me. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. If what you already believe uh, concerning everything else is true, then a literal hell is also true. And everybody spends forever somewhere. And I'm real sorry to tell you this this morning. There's only two options. There's only two options. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And this death here is a separation from God in a literal hell. But here's the good news, okay? Good news is Jesus, Jesus steps in, became sin for us, paid the penalty for us on his cross. 
And so that is the good news that he came in. He died to pay the penalty for us. Have you ever had anybody pick up lunch for you? I mean, like I'm I'm talking about pick up your bill. Anybody? Okay. Uh, And if that's not happening a lot for you, maybe you should start doing that. Sowing and reaping, okay, that you, you would do. Anyway, how many of you know that's a wonderful feeling when that happens? You just feel, not only are you full with your food now, but you just feel blessed. It's like, oh my, oh my goodness, that that would happen. That is small nothing compared to this. We had this huge debt that we owed that we could not pay. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps in, pays the penalty for us by dying for us. And that, friends, is the bottom line of the gospel, the good news. Here's the deal though. Romans 5, 8 says this, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for who? For us. That's the good news. Now you either accept that or you reject that. You don't have a delayed decision on this to delay is to reject. And so the gospel, you either accept it Or you reject it. There's no in between. And let me caution you. Because every time you delay on accepting this. Every time you reject it for now. You harden your heart. And it's easier for you to continue to delay. And easier for you to continue to reject. So I caution you on that. And I want to give you the proper response to the gospel. In the next few moments here. Here's the proper response. You trust. Let me write it out for you here. Why is he writing it out? Because I want you to what? Good, I'm glad you remembered that. Here's the proper response to it. You're not going to like this word. Repent. You trust. Everybody say trust. And you repent. Both. You trust and you repent. You've got to do both of these or you're going to end up with false hope. And you're going to end up with false guilt. And so you trust and repent, both of these. Acts 20, verse 21 says, And testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it reads, Jesus is saying, speaking, and he says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Get that again. Leave that up there right there. Read that with me. Repent and believe the gospel. One more time. Repent and believe the gospel. It's both of these. Let me tell you what this gospel is. It is a savior and Lord gospel. It is a savior and Lord gospel. Now we know what savior is. He died on the cross for us and, and he saved us from our sins. But if this is really going to work in your life and listen to me, and I'm not reducing it to works, I'm reducing it to what the gospel is, is that you repent and believe the gospel, that the gospel is repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus. So what we have is you have savior, but you also must have Lord. Let me reduce Lord for you. Cause we don't use Lord that much in the Greek. It really means this owner. Ruler, master, owner, ruler, master, which means he's not just savior. You ready for this? He's master. Some people think he can just be savior and then I can have Jesus as savior and then I can just keep living like I was living. 
None of y'all her service people, a few of them. But listen, it's a matter, if you really want the gospel, it's a matter of Savior and Master in our lives. Listen, you don't just add a little Jesus into your life. That's what some people try to do. Just, I'm going to add a little Jesus. It's this whole commercial mentality that we have. Add a little of this and you're going to have wider teeth and better gas mileage and you're going to be more sexy and, and, and all kinds of, just add this into your life. Listen, Jesus is not something you just add into your life. You don't just add a little Jesus into you. You don't just add a little master. Listen, you can only have one master. Owner, ruler, master. Thank God he's our savior. But if this is really going to work, we're going to have to also have him as Lord, as owner, as ruler, and as master. So what happens with this? And I'm going to try to illustrate this for you. When you trust, it's you trust, you believe. You don't have it all figured out. I mean, we can't even figure out why would he come to the cross? Where did he come from? What, what is all of this? We don't understand all of, all of this. We have much revealed to us through scripture, but it's a matter that we come down to this, that we trust, that we just trust. Everybody say trust. And when we trust, we actually do this. We take hold. We take hold. When we repent, we do this. We let go. We let go. I'm going to try to illustrate this for you. I've got these two microphone stands up here. I hope you can see them. Everybody still with me? So I've got these and let's say that this is life without God. This is us trying our very best. This is just doing our stuff. This is doing what we want when we want to do it. This is us with all our problems and flaws and best efforts and everything else. Here we are. And this is new life in Jesus. This is the result of the gospel. He's, and, and he's over here saying, come to me. And the nature of scripture is this. Anything that God has said is still being voiced. And so when he said in Matthew 28, come to me, I'm going to tell you what, those words are still going out of his mouth that he's saying, come to me. He's saying it to you today. He's saying it to everybody today. Come to me because here's the reality. The bad news is for everybody on this planet. So also is the good news for everybody on this planet. The good, the bad news hits everybody the same. Therefore, everybody must receive the good news. And Jesus is over here saying, come to me, come to me. And what we're doing, we're over here. We've already taken hold of this. But see, this is bad news because here we are. If nothing changes, we don't meet the standard. Come on, y'all. We don't meet the standard as long as we hold this and we just stay here. But here's what a lot of people do, okay? Things go rough here and we start doing this number. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. You ought to hear me when I'm warmed up. And, and we do this number. We, you know, we're trying to, uh, Jesus. And then we, we're just back over here. Y'all with me? And some people want to think they can do this number. You can't. I look like I'm skiing, don't I? I work hard for you people. But here's what we got to do. Here, I, I scripted it for you here, right here. Here's what we have to do. We have to what? Let go and what? And take hold. I'm going to do it again so you'll remember. I'm going to do it again so you remember. We're going to what? We're going to let go. Folks, let go. 
and take hold and never let go. Now, and once you get over here, don't be doing this number. Ooh, I missed that. Jesus, hang on right here. Don't fail me now, Jesus. No, listen to me. The good life, the gospel, the good news is you got to let go and take hold. He's saying to you, come to me, come to me. Because otherwise we're left in the bad news. And I'm trying to encourage you today to come to the good news. Let me quickly give you the results of this. And we're going to spend a few more weeks on this. Not today. I mean, we're going to spend in the weeks to come. Here's the results of this. Forgiveness. And eternal life. Everybody say forgiveness. Eternal life. These are the results. If you and I will let go. And if we will take hold. These are the results of this. Forgiveness. Justified. And then eternal life. Because without what he did. I don't have eternal life. Question. When does eternal life begin? It's now. It's now. Eternal life starts to take up residence in you and it manifests itself in this life while we're on this planet in the land of the living as abundant life. Now, if you have been told on television or whatever that abundant life means come to Jesus and you're going to get rich, change the channel. Now, of course, God will bless you. God will help you in your endeavors. But let me just boil abundant life down for you in this life. And it is simply this. You ready? You're never alone and you're never without help. You're never alone and you're never without help. But you know what? If you want to continue to just hold on over here, you'll find yourself alone. You'll find yourself without help. And then one day life is over and you have to let go and you'll still be separated from God. But if you let go of this and you take hold, I now in this life and once this life is over, I will never be alone. And I will never be without help. The bad news is for everybody. The good news is for everybody. And I tell you what, I don't care who you are. The fact that you and I have fallen so short of the standard. And Jesus stepped in and paid the price for that. Just the takeaway of just justified. It's justified, never sinned. And now I have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. I don't care who you are. That's good news. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.